it's happy hour on itsneworleans.com. We're at the Columns Hotel at 3811 St. Charles Avenue, where the beads are still brightly shining in the sun here in New Orleans. And over the next hour or so, you'll get to meet just three of the 343,829 or so fascinating people who live in New Orleans right now. And you'll get to hear some live music from one of them and some recorded music from another. At the end of the show, you'll probably be reassured that New Orleans is a great city where people love to eat, drink, talk, have fun, and enjoy great music. You might even find yourself booking a flight to visit us. Please do. So let's get on with happy hour. We have as our guest today, Dorian, is it Dardar? Dardar. Dardar. Kind of reminds me of a bar. (laughs) And and he's cheery like you. Um, A.K.A. Bad Ninja Nine. Is this the time to ask you about that? No. (laughs) Um, you can read more about Dorian or Bad Ninja Nine at badninja9.com. Dorian is an artist, filmmaker, musician, and a student of Tai Chi. He's from Cutoff, Louisiana. I'm definitely going to ask you more about that. He's recently written and directed the film Just Another Noir. That's it. He describes himself as a guerrilla filmmaker. He's wearing camouflage suits. And he also works in some of the big-budget Hollywood movies that come to NOLA. Certainly a lot of those lately. A lot of traffic jams will be asking you about that. They're always in the way. <laughs> Our next guest, we're glad to have them, is Joshua A.D. Is it Josh or Joshua? Uh, you can call me Joshua. Okay. I'm he's pouring beer at the moment. singer, and uh, he's pouring a Guinness. Is it Guinness? Nah, it's their knockoff Guinness. Something dark. <laughs> singer and bassist, bassist for punk rock band Joshua A.D. He's releasing a new album, One Man Mardi Gras, which is about prowling around the uptown bar scene. His band's rock shows are a mix of music and comedic stage show. That sounds good. His band is based out of Los Angeles, but he's recently returned to his new roots. Now I'm here. Welcome home. You can check out his, his website, which we'll link to itsneworleans.com. It's reverbnation.com slash Joshua A.D. And beautiful Sarah Quintana, jazz vocalist, guitarist, and singer. She's going to provide live music for us today. She's a songwriter also from New Orleans. She grew up here where live music is ingrained in many aspects of daily life. She started a guitar at age 12, is that right? right? And attended NOCA. Mm -hmm. What's the acronym of NOCA for? The New Orleans Center for Creative Arts. Beautiful, beautiful art school here in New Orleans, right on the river. As a jazz student under Kent Jordan in 2000. She's a Franklin, a Ben Franklin high school grad. Holds a bachelor's degree in English literature and French from Loyola University of New Orleans and received a what scholarship? Um, there's an organization in Louisiana called Codafil that supports French culture in Louisiana, and I went to France um, thanks to that organization. And you go back often thanks to it as well. Uh, her studies were interrupted in 2005 by our friend Katrina. Sarah was directly affected losing friends and family members. I'm sorry to read and hear that. Her home and material possessions. She traveled all over the world and moved to France as a result of the storm. She's a certified Hatha yoga instructor, a kayak tour guide on Bayou St. John. That's such a treat. A daughter of New Orleans and a believer in life. And this is from her bio. She's thankful to her family, friends, and fans. And I can tell you from looking at her, you can see that just by looking at her. I can't wait to hear more about it. So welcome, y'all. Welcome to Happy Hour. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Um, is this a good time to ask you about AKA Ninja Nine? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> Is this a good time for you to answer? <laughs> <laughs> Just ask me what you got to you know, ask the question. <laughs> Where's the name come from? Uh, it sounded cool, you know, Bad Ninja 9. I love yeah. ninjas. I love ninjas too. <laughs> I've been studying like ninjutsu and martial arts since I was like 12, 13 years old, especially ninjas. Like, you grew up, you know, watching Ninja Turtles. You're like, yeah, ninjas. 
<laughs> so you, you just you dated know. yourself in a good way. <laughs> yeah, so what? <laughs> I'm a man. I don't worry about that stuff. Anyway, uh, it's like yeah, ninjas. So I'm a ninja in a way because I'm a martial artist. I believe in ninpo. I believe in practice, the study, and all that. So. And then, and then the uh, the same sort of presentation presents itself as a guerrilla filmmaker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of ninjas in movie making. You know what I mean? You have to be very still. And you have to be very quiet. And all the people who do all the real hard work in the movies, Behind you never the see scenes. them. They're complete ninjas. And I'm like, whoa, this is the perfect ninja environment. You know what I mean? All these guys, you got all these hustlers moving really quickly, messing with dangerous things, fire, electricity, blowing stuff up. So, it's, you know, I mean, it's ninjas. <laughs> it's a ninja job. It's a ninja job. So yeah. are, you, are you drawn to that kind of behind-the-scenes productivity? He's wearing dark shirts. He's wearing dark glasses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely drawn to that. There's nothing else that uh, I've lasted longer and everything else. I'm kind of like, yeah, i got to get out of here. It's yeah, so maybe you If you don't mind your... me asking, uh, so. what, you, what are you working on right now? Right now I'm working on a, uh, a low-budget horror pick I call The Legend of Industrial Ghost Wolf. And the Industrial Ghost Wolf is actually a character, uh, an artist friend of mine, a photographer named Simon Mabil who created this. And uh, he was like, whoa, The Industrial Ghost Wolf. And I was like, awesome. I could use that. You got to let me write a story based on that. And he was like, yeah, do it. So I wrote the story, and that's it. I'm working on it right now. Are you working on the script? Are you working on production? Where are I'm you? I'm in production film? right now. Uh, I've casted all the major roles. I've got about 30 minutes of the movie shot so far, wow. so I'm working oh. on the rest of it. Are you shooting that here in New Orleans? Here in New Orleans, home of Thibodeau, just the surrounding area. Okay. I was doing some location scouting earlier before I came here. I was looking for a good garden area, so, yeah. And cutoff is where? Cutoff is in South Lafouche, in uh, Lafouche Parish. And uh, Cutoff is basically where they keep all the oil cut off. Okay. So uh, it's all uh, an offshore community, most of the people there. And it has a proud French history, you know what I'm saying? A lot of French culture there. A lot of artists who do a lot of stuff. But all that, you know, a lot of, a lot of those guys are all are getting old, you know what I mean? There's very few people my age trying to preserve the ancient, that, that old culture, you know what I'm saying? Uh, all the work is mainly industry offshore, so. But you feel so like the yeah. culture is kind of dissipating or disappearing. The culture is the land. The land is the culture. You are a product of your environment. If the environment is dying, then your culture is dying, and that culture is dying because the land is dying. Okay. Coastal erosion is killing everything down there. Saltwater intrusion. I mean, you know, there's stuff they can do about it, but they're not working hard enough to do anything about it. So, I mean, you know, part of the culture is being lost. And why do you think they're not work? Why do you think they're not focused on it? Just because it's not viable. It's not viable. It's not a. Uh, they have their grand scheme. You know what I mean. And the, mm -mm. well, and if, you, if you think positively about it, like the less of it there is, the more valuable the existing stuff becomes. Yeah, so, but you got to move quick. You know that's the thing. Time is of the. But essence. you can harbor. Or you can harbor that uh, regional um, value that you have, and that makes whatever you take and put that into infinitely more valuable because it's being lost you're I'm saying right. just spin it in a more positive light because stuff like coastal erosion is things like these are natural you can't stop that at a but certain that's point the thing. it's not natural the coastal erosion is not natural here the river is supposed to be feeding the land the river is supposed to be supplying supplying the land it's supposed to be growing it the delta grows land that's what it's supposed to do that's what it has done for hundreds and hundreds of years and they've stopped that so now it's slowly going away you know what i mean you say they stopped that like industry stopped that uh the people in charge of everything people stopped who redirected it. the river <laughs> yeah that. exactly okay. the guys who are at the uh, wheel of the great big machine of america 
decided that this is what we're going to do. This is going to be our plan. So, you know what I mean? There's voices that are saying, we got to stop it, we got to stop it. But they're like, no, we've got our scheme. We know what we're doing. So when Go you ahead. say scheme, you're just talking about greed and... Whatever it is you want to call it, I'm not going to make any value judgments. I'm just going to say this is what's happening and this is how it's going. You know what I mean? They have their plan. And I mean, you know, uh, civic leaders can raise their voice. The people there can raise their voice. But until something happens, you know, what can be done? You, know? you, you sound affected by it emotionally. Yeah, I'm emotionally. I'm a, the name <laughs> Dardar is a, a native name. You know what I mean? So I'm a Native American. My father was a Hudson. But I grew up, you know, illegitimate. So I was raised by wild, savage Indians. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? These people, these people are hard-drinking, violent people, you know? So, and they are the land, you know what I mean? And uh, the Native look at things is just like, you know, my uncle told me, he said, all my older uncles, my grandpa's brothers, they're all boat captains. My grandpa was the only one, like, working on land, building stuff for them to use, you know? And my uncle said, you know, Native people, we don't have to worry about seasons for trapping or anything. But if we didn't care, you know, there would be war. They would make war against us. So, you know what I mean? That's kind of how it is, you know. That culture lost the war, you know, and they're still suffering. So, I mean, you know, America, this is where we are. I'm talking about the real America, the real people of America. So, I mean, this, we've been at war forever. Are you uh, incorporating any of the culture into your work? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, and this new picture I'm working on, the Industrial Ghost Wolf, is based on a Native American story, an old archetype. The hero's journey in the old story is that there's not just one hero. There's two heroes. There's the chief and the shaman. The chief is the warrior leader. He's the man, you know, like the, the commander-in-chief. All the warriors rally around this guy. They follow his lead. They go where he says. He shows the way. And on the other side, on the left-hand side, there's the shaman. The shaman is the outsider. He's not involved in all that. He the pushes ninja. himself. The ninja. He is the, exactly the archetypal American ninja. So, uh, and I'll play the shaman in that piece. So, yeah. I can see that. I That's can it. see that. Sarah said something to me interesting before the show, um, which makes me think that, are you a Louisiana native too? Oh, uh, no, I moved here when That's I was what? 17. Okay, yeah. all right. Because um, I, I don't know that we've had a show with all natives. There's so many um, what we call contraflow people who've moved here because they had or and then fell in love with it. It's and called contraflow. Yeah, such so as like a derogatory. No, no it, it sounds was, bad. It, no, I loved it. I got called it on my uh, it's, it's, birthday. It's better than carpetbagger. <laughs> Meaning, when <laughs> so many people were moving in the last few years, we came in instead of it's. It I did not leave for Katrina though. Storm. No, 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 no. <clears throat> I did not leave. For I came after. That's where that came from. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Sarah said that. Um, you said that you moved away and began to appreciate your neighborhood in New Orleans, the one in which you grew up, more after you got back. And I'd love to hear more about that. Well, I have so many things to say after after what all I remember is AK Ninja 9. Is that right? Yeah, Bad Can Ninja 9. Can I call 9. you that? Bad Ninja 9? Yeah. Well, Bad Ninja 9 brings up a lot of subjects that I work with. Um, the first one is connection to the land. And I'd like to make kind of an announcement about a documentary that I just... Um, recorded the music for in New York by Monique Ferdan and Sharon um, Lindsay Kong, I think is how you pronounce her name. And it's coming out on Earth Day, and it'll be viewing, viewed at Loyola. But it's about the life of Monique, and they definitely hit on all of the subjects and have a lot of great footage of what the land looks like down where Monique's family, who's Native American, lives. And it's a 
It's a documentary that shows Monique's life before Katrina all the way up to after the oil spill. So you get to kind of see firsthand what happens when a native of Louisiana becomes disoriented and loses um, the people they love in their home, which is a, it's a very epic tale. And it is connected to the land, and there's definitely a lot to say on that subject. Um, but that documentary is called My Louisiana, My Love, and you can hear more about that at louisianamylove.com. And you should definitely check that out because um, I think that... Um, what's your real name one more time? My name is Dorian Dardar. Dorian Dardar's story sounds very familiar, and it's definitely a voice and a story that we need to hear more of, and I'm really inspired by hearing about how he uses his roots and his awakening and awareness of what's going on to talk about um, archetypes and use it in his artwork, and that's kind of a good transition point for me as well because after Katrina and after kind of this huge awakening that comes from those um, stories where you leave your home with just a coffee cup and you discover so much about yourself and your roots and your ancestry and what the land and what, what, what it all means. I guess I focused on female archetypes of Louisiana as kind of my subject of writing. And musically, I, I use folk jazz, which is just a fusion of kind of folk music of Louisiana with different influences in Cajun and French, Calypso, classic jazz or roots music, and then with a lot of improv games and formal jazz settings. So that's kind of also really how I kind of tie it in with what I do in my career. Louisiana, Louisiana my love, it's a beautiful name. You know it's about that? The chills. No, I do not. Oh, do so that. Good. Beautiful name, getting the chills. Yeah. Did awesome. you know about it, Dorian? Nope, I don't know. Yeah. And Earth Day is April 20th, 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 I think it 21st. might be the 25th or the 24th or the 25th, but if you check the website, you'll definitely get more info. And the two ladies that made this film are just some of the most inspiring people that I've met in a long time. So I definitely encourage anybody who loves Louisiana to go and support them and just check it out. They have a lot of big plans for the project, but at this point, all I can say is it's one of the most inspiring things that I've discovered this year. Do you mind saying the website one more time? It's www.louisianamylove.com. Okay. Thank you. And Josh, you moved here when you were 17. Yeah. Can you back up and talk about how you got here? Well, I came here because I got, went to Loyola down the street. Okay. That happens a lot, too. And that was a complete accidental process of just, I didn't really put much thought into going to school. And then uh, Loyola kind of... A lot of people will tell you this. They kind of just give away scholarships at the time. They were just trying to get as many out-of-state people here. A lot of the colleges are, they play favorites to out-of-state people over in-state because they want to have a nice mix of their class, whatever. <clears throat> so I came here. Uh, From where? Baltimore. Okay. Not really excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, was here, finished school in four years. Uh, was here for Katrina. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of a good story to no, <laughs> go, go along with that, but I don't really have anything. Uh, and then uh, you'll get this if you talk to a lot of other people. Once you live in this area for a long time, I guess I was here for five straight years, it's like a fishbowl, and you start thinking about like uh, other cities and bigger cities and what it would be like. So I went off to Chicago for a year, and then I went to Los Angeles for two and a half years, and then I just got fed up, and I wanted to come back here. I was spending all my money literally making trips to come back here and visit. And uh, in the meantime, I had put together my own uh, rock band, and just the imagery we used was all uh, purple, green, and gold Mardi Gras colors. Uh, the show was very Mardi Gras-esque, 
kind of in like a comedy aspect. It was still like hard rock, punk rock kind of thing. And then all the songs, just because where my head was at being in these other places, not really having a good time, but not really having a good time. I was thinking about coming back here all the time and that's what I wanted to write about and that's what I wanted to give to people because I would have conversations with people all over the country. Of, you know, I would say I was from here because this is where it happens for me. Yeah, and I would just tell New Orleans stories constantly and it was just like beating a dead horse after a while. I was like, I just need to move back because <laughs> I felt like an uh, ambassador for you know all the dark seedy dive bars of New Orleans that I traveled around the country. So came back. Um, ironically, right when I finished the album, I was just natural process. This is when I was leaving. Packed up my car and drove back from California here about a month ago. Can you can you pinpoint or articulate what it, what it was that you really missed? I mean, what it was that kept it so top of mind, top of heart, top of conversation? Uh, it, it's tough to say because not only was it just like all the friends and the the atmosphere in the neighborhoods and everything, just just little things like walking down St. Charles and seeing you know the Mardi Gras beads still in the trees, you know, ten months after the fact. Uh, just like that residual celebration type of attitude that always kind of exists constantly. You go to other places and then there's just there's just dead zones of nothing. Sitting in traffic on on the 101 in, in, in uh, Los Angeles at you know seven in the morning, you just think like these people wake up every day. And this is what they do. This is all they know. And I'm thinking I've got visions of what I've seen before here. Like people don't do this everywhere. Like people enjoy their their short existences. You know they really make the most of it. So it was just that kind of. You know, I just kept coming back and going forward, and it was just it was like. Clears day, like where, to be. yeah. If you want to be happy, be where where things happen for you. Yeah, passions run deep. And on that note, Sarah, if you don't mind, this would be a great time for you to sing about uh, either the female archetypes of sure. the whatever you like, whatever yeah, you choose. Yeah, I'd like to sing about the mourner first. Um, I'd like to borrow someone's coffee cup. Um, it's gonna borrow Anthony's coffee cup. Anthony Cuchilla. Hi, Anthony. Let's see. <laughs> Summer and flowers Standing in the moon so high Tata's my best friend We go walking by the river at night We go walking by the river at night Who is the lady Standing in her dress so white have you seen her lately? Can you hear her cry? Mm -hmm. Mama, 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 Mississippi. Mama, 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 Mississippi. Once was a young maiden Married to a man so fine He took away her daughters Can you hear her cry? Mm -hmm. The road 
roses are floating in the water. Mama Mississippi sings. Where are my daughters? Bring them back to me. Bring them back to me. Mama, Mama, Mama Mississippi. Mama, Mama, Mama Mississippi. Once was a young maiden married to a man so fine. He took away her daughters and she lost her mind. If you see somebody singing, by the waterside, it's Mama Mississippi calling for daughters at night. Coffee will never be the same again. <laughs> you see what happens when you come to New Orleans and happy hour with people you don't know. <laughs> She's sitting in front of her next to her guitar and picked up Anthony's coffee cup and blessed us with that. It's outrageous. Wow. That was real. <laughs> yeah, practiced. <laughs> when did you write that? I wrote that um, in parts. I wrote, um, I wrote the main melody this summer, kind of getting my female archetypes project together, which is my album that's coming out in two weeks called The World Has Changed. Um, and it's very much, much a post-Katrina-like story of like what it's like to be, um, to be healed, to be done that chapter of your life as a young woman. And then I, um, I, I don't know exactly. I just don't know. Now, did really. you write it on a coffee cup? I wrote it walking around. I have I wrote it on the guitar as well, and then I wanted something for my Kickstarter campaign of video, and I had this coffee cup idea because I have a show based on the coffee cup about Katrina because New Orleans is shaped like a bowl and because during the storm it it was the only object that I took with me, and it was my Cajun grandmother's demitasse, and it was kind of this... I don't know why I was just crying and like so into having this coffee cup, but it was all I really had or all I thought I had at the time um, after Katrina to connect me or remind me of my roots. And then eventually music became the connection. So you're saying yeah. you actually left the house with that one coffee well, cup? Well, I actually or? left with my guitar in my suitcases, but I went back and I got the coffee cup okay. out of the muck, and that's the only object that I really and consistently retreat. traveled with or kept or thought about. And I started writing about it, and it definitely became its own project. I have a show in France that tours through La Jeunesse Musicale de France in 2013 and 14 about the coffee cup, just about everything I'm telling you. And it's kind of just about Louisiana music. It's called La 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 Louisiane, and it's to be a kind of representative of Louisiana music and culture to kids touring around schools with another multi-instrumentalist, Virgil Lebreuve. And he's coming here in two weeks to study and to learn triangle and learn a bunch of like Louisiana Techniques so wow. they can accompany me. Wow. And that's yeah. d where can we learn more about that online? Definitely on my website, okay. www.sarahquintana.com. And the JMF is an organization that's kind of like um, young audiences for Louisiana, only it's nationwide in France and it's a really big um, touring agency. So I'll be gone 
February, March, and April missing Mardi Gras the next two years because I'll be singing about New Orleans in France. Different kind of Mardi Gras. Yeah, different. Yeah. The ambassador. We'll feel you. Yeah. We'll feel you. That's, that's tough. I couldn't do that. I couldn't oh, miss a Mardi Gras. Fun. I couldn't miss a Mardi Gras. I've had many. Especially not next year. Yeah, <laughs> next year. Well, next year because it's the combination of um, ah, Super Bowl. the Super Bowl being put in the middle of it. It's, and it's just going to be absurd. That's going to be wild. Growing it by a week. Oh, my God. Pandemonium out there. I'm kind of glad I'm going to miss that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's like, that's like a, d- a dump truck full of money just pulling up to the city. And just, here you go. Josh is going to enjoy it for you. <laughs> Dorian, um, you, that clearly spoke to you. Right, Mama Mississippi, you know. Uh, the Mississippi is the mama. That, like, uh, live on Bayou Lafouche. Lafouche means the fork. So that's uh, that's used to be where the Mississippi, that used to be Mama Mississippi's home before she changed. All the Bayou region, it's all that fork area, you know what I mean? The daughters, the daughters of, the, of Mama Mississippi, those are the Bayous. So, and all those bayous, where are my daughters? You know what I mean? All her daughters have been cut off from her. Exactly. The man has yeah. taken away all her daughters. That's exactly right. In the story La Llorona, the Hidalgo, there's many versions in South America, but Mama Mississippi could be an actual <laughs> river that's dammed or cut off from its natural flow, or it could be a metaphor for one's creative life or one's um, purpose and being cut off through trauma. It's an archetype, so yeah, there's so many uses. And it's a great um, place to be when you're uh, getting that awareness right. in your work, isn't it? It's cool. It is. And uh, you know what I mean? The archetypes, the male and female archetypes, people are always trying to battle the sexes, male versus female, but they are interde- they're interdependent. Mm-hmm. You can't take them apart. So the man and the woman, you know, as like I consider myself a warrior. I'm a man, a strong man. I see Mama Mississippi. She's crying. You know, that's my, that's my woman. I want to stand up for her. I want to defend her. I want to be the man she needs, you know what I mean? Because she depends on me to be that man. And I depend on her as the mother, the nurturing part. I need Mama Mississippi to nurture everything because without her, I'm nothing, you know? But without me, you know, without me being the man, who's going to defend her? Who's going to speak up for her? Who's going to, you know, be chivalrous? And male in in a female's perspective because it's so empowering to create art and whether it's masculine or feminine, just realizing that we have the ability to play our own story and take our own roles and change the course of our lives right. by our awareness and our efforts is the power of art and communication and which i am struck by regarding all three of you actually i love it yeah josh we want to hear more about your uh, music punk rock and comedy show oh um, well what do you want to know <laughs> it's <clears throat> genesis well it started i was Where here catch it uh I'll give you a brief run now. I was doing like a comedy punk rock band in New Orleans um, called uh, USAD, Urban Search and Destroy. It was like my, my grand idea for like the post-Katrina punk band in New Orleans because I thought there was the it's perfect landscape for it. You know, all these people had endured all these awful things. And there was already, a, you know, a halfway decent um, heavy music scene beforehand. I thought, okay, now where's all that post-disaster, you know, oomph? And I didn't really see anything coming out of it, so I, I put together a, a thing with friends, and it just kind of evolved into us doing like, we had our like tougher, angry songs, but we had a lot of it was like a comedy aspect too. And then when I broke off, and I just was, I'm gonna do my own thing under my own name. Uh, I was writing more serious rock music, but then you can't just this is for me, like my own self. Um, criticizing like you can't just get up in front of people and just play loud rock music because like at a certain point it all sounds the same to a room full of people 
you know, if they don't understand where you're coming from, then it's just all the same kind of monotonous, whatever. So it's like, okay, well, I want to, you know, mix in like a little bit of a, I guess, vaudeville or whatever, do a little comedy show and kind of string the whole set of music together kind of make to make more sense and make people laugh and they weren't paying attention to one song then we do a little bit here that kind of involves everybody and then they'll pay attention to the next song and so forth so um i wanted to have a balanced attack when going out a room full of strangers that had no idea what to expect instead of just bludgeoning them with you know noise and making more of a show yeah you know something so it's not just a band like you can't just be a a band even if you're amazing like, you need to, if you want to stand out from, like, a entertainment performer side, like, you got to have something else. You got to give it a little theatrical twist to it. You know, if you don't, then you, you're going to get reviews, like, well, every song started to sound the same after a while. And that's, like, it's like death. Like, you don't want that because that's what everybody leaves with. Is the addition of comedy or that, that need That's to just have natural. That? I, like, I did That's that. That's coming from. Yeah, because some of the songs I write would be kind of funny because you can't be serious all the time. You know, I, don't, I don't know how U2 does it, but you can't. <laughs> you, you can't just, just do that. You, I, I, you know, I check my, with every serious statement I make. I'm like, okay, well, that, you do mean that, but it's kind of ridiculous. Like, you've got to balance that with something goofy here or whatever. It, so naturally, I just started doing that. And is, are you. Is it something you're trying to say as well? Like, is there more you want to convey? Somewhat. Than- so it's a statement just on the state of the music, in- the local music industry in general. Local to? Local, every city. Okay. Every, when ter- in terms of, like, rock music. Not New Orleans local music can be... There's New Orleans music, and then there's... The rock music is, like, the most typical form of rock music. It exists everywhere in these, like, small little local scenes. And uh, nothing really happens much. And having been to a lot of... Uh, the major cities and played around it's it's just nothing really going on and it's just what you want to tell those those other musicians like do something more fun don't just don't just do what's already been done try to put your own spin on it introduce some personality make it as you as possible that's what that's what my the whole reason for my solo band was like i'm going to take my personality pretty much and set it to music and then just see what happens <laughs> just have you done a, this one man Mardi Gras as your new album? Is that out yet? Uh, you can just go online and download it for free. I wouldn't dream of selling it. Have you, and is that just you or is that you and the band? That's uh, musicians I got together with in Los Angeles. And have you all done that as a live show? I mean, is Yeah, that yeah. We played, we played live for two years pretty much. And then I, I just I had to come back here. So it's, I'll get people here and put together a thing. I'm still getting situated. I just moved back. Um, like uh, Dorian, I'm working on some of the local productions here, and then as for just you know, I work at local bars too. What's your uh, position on the local film film production? Film yeah, yeah, I'm working uh, on a crew for The Tomb. It's uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, what, prison movie. What are you doing on the crew? Uh, right now, just the driver for everybody. Cool. So did location scouting at um, Angola prison last week. Uh, Monday we were at the Michaud NASA facility. I don't, I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. Yeah. The one out by... In the east? Yeah, in the mm-hmm. east. Um, they have uh, one of the giant uh, places where they would build the, the fuselages for the for space the shuttles. shuttles. They're looking at using that as like a scene for the prison. Actually, we were there and they were shooting uh, Ender's Game with Harrison Ford right next door. 
And then it's just speak right now. No, and then uh, a good friend of mine from Los Angeles. Well, we'd met here, but we'd both wanted to California. Had to just move back because he's working on Oblivion with Tom Cruise in Baton Rouge. So it's really ridiculous the amount of production that's going on. Yeah, Big budget true. stuff too. It's a lot. Yeah. It's Are you really on, working on a film right now? No, I stopped doing it. Like I only do like background stand-in stuff. You know what I mean? I just want to be like. Ninja. I want to <laughs> do as little as possible when I said I admire this guy for actually working. You know what I mean? I just want to be there to like spy things. You know what I mean? I like to be a spy. I like to figure out what's going on. But uh, yeah, you know, this Spring guy is through. doing, he's like, well, he's a perfect example of well, like an artist who's making it out here in that industry, getting money in his pocket. So what's ridiculous is, I mean, not only are they getting tax incentives to, to shoot here, but they also have tax incentives to employ locals, yep. which is, which is absurd if you're coming from a place considered the capital of that industry, like Hollywood, because you cannot get into that industry. Unions have locked that down so bad that it doesn't matter how much experience you have. Yeah. You just, you couldn't get on the smallest productions. Here, I walked into like a $70 million budget action movie. Just hardcore. Just here, can you do this? Sure, here, take the van of a couple. Were you in the union before that? Are you in the union no, since No, no, just, just so I just walked into it. A friend of mine was uh, assistant to the executive producer, said, We need a guy to do this and this and this. And I'm just working at bars and stuff locally. I'm like, Yep. Isn't that kind of uh, metaphorical for everything else about New Orleans? I know. <laughs> I mean, the accessibility is just lovely. Um, I think this would be a good time if you want to tell us about what song we're going to play of yours, Josh. Um, this song, I, I picked this one to play because we, we actually shot a, a music video for it in, in L.A. It's called Irish Whiskey Till Dawn. And uh, it's just, um, it's about a lot of my life just going to work in bars here and going out after work and just craziness that went down so. so this song is off one man mardi gras yep yep <laughs>
forgot where I was and I think I'm not the only one and I mean that as the highest compliment it is my dream that y'all three would collaborate on something what a cross section and with synergy yes. within I love it I mean no so cross section of New Orleans that's a whole side of New Orleans that's not you know top of no, no. presentation top of media um, just a reminder for you have just joined us or forgot where you were this is neworleans.com happy hour we're at the Columns Hotel at 3811 St. Charles Avenue in New Orleans. And if you're headed to New Orleans and need to book a hotel or tour or need to tips on what to do while you're here or where to find uh, any of these performers, check in with our friends at neworleans.com, the official New Orleans travel site. Um, Joshua, are you back in the Uptown Underground bar scene? Oh, of course. Yeah? Uh, pretty much. <laughs> you're home. Yeah, this is it, pretty much. Is no. it a secret? Or <laughs> what do you, what, do you, you want to elaborate on some of your highlights? Uh, just what locally? Yeah. Um, well, inspiration I, for the song we just listened uh, to. Uh, there's, uh, let's see. There's a there's a line in the in the, like the second verse, which is "Remember when uh, they burned it down? We sat outside and kept hanging out." That was uh, like right towards the end of 2007, where uh, I was working. I still work at Monkey Hill Bar on Magazine Street, and uh, our after hours place to this day still is Miss May's on Magazine. And then uh, Miss May's had caught fire. And they had to close it down for like three months. So there was a few nights where we just felt like we didn't have anywhere to go after work. 
So we we just got six packs and sat outside of the the, 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 the closed down, <laughs> burnt out Miss Mays and just sat there and drank and just wish it was open. <laughs> Next time I drive by and see you out there, I'm gonna stop. Hey. More drinks are coming our way. Sarah, do you hang out at Miss Mays? No. Have You've you? been though. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I've been there. It's not, a, it's not a place you should be proud of hanging out in. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. You might want to edit that out. <laughs> oh, I mean, I know. They would love that. Actually, a good friend of mine just posted on Facebook that she was a proud proponent. She just put that on Facebook. She oh. loves it, and she's not going to apologize for it. There was a big thing recently with um, they had to switch ownership, and all their drinks were $1. And then because of the new owners, they had jumped up to $2 a drink. And it was big local news that Miss Mays, Miss Mays had up, up their prices. Which it's a big deal. They've been yeah. the same prices since the fifties, or something like that. I don't, I don't mind. Like once you get into the nice regular circuit with them, they'll just give you whatever you want for nothing. This <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> is why it keeps you coming back. It's like Cheers. It's like it's like a everybody knows really evil mean. version of Cheers. <laughs> Evil <laughs> Star Trek bar. That's <laughs> like the bar in Star Wars. That's what it's like. Yeah. Um, Dorian, you said you have an office up the street. Right. What's going on in that office? Well, I have a painting on the wall that my dad made. And I just stare at that. And then I uh, edit video and, you know, look at myself for hours. What's the painting <laughs> of? <laughs> it's, uh, it's a colorful painting. It has a horse and it has like a house or something. It was... He has a, my dad was a schizophrenic, so he painted crazy weird colors, all kind of weird images. And he drew horses and dogs obsessively, like ridiculous. He'd make like 20 horses of a dog in a day. He had a, like an encyclopedia of dogs. <gasps> and he would just flip through, I'm going to draw that dog. And I know that when I was a little kid. Horses and dogs. Horses and dogs. Yeah, and I've like and been connected. studying that, you know, like what is, the, what, is, what is it about horses and dogs? And again, there's more archetypal stuff, like a, a horse... Is a symbol of the uh, the anna the anima the female side, and the whore, and the dog is uh is like loyalty and stuff like that you know. So yeah, I just try and figure all this stuff out, and uh, he told me like when I was a kid he would just talk about the whirling twirling dervish and he always had this joke you ever heard of the whirling twirling dervish, and I'd be like what the hell is he talking about, and I started studying this uh, type of Chinese yoga it's called bagua you know what I'm, and uh, and it's all circle movements. And uh, one day I was in his house doing it. And I was like, whoa, I just did exactly what he was always talking about. I figured it out, you know. And it was like, so yeah, that's it. Was he there for that? No, he's been, he passed away when I was 18. Okay. So mostly, you know, I just uh, sit in my office. I'm going to need inspiration to just think of stuff like that. And, you know, I read stuff and, you know. Edit video, boring things. That's it's not, not that boring. exciting. That's not boring. And Sarah, you um, travel a lot uh, back and forth between here and France. Um, when are you going next? I'm going in June for some rehearsals, getting a 10-day a tour, very luckily, with my trio on, on my new material in the south of France with uh, Jazz à Pocquerolles and Jazz à Wannes, and then some projects with Raphael Lambert et la Compagnie Nine Spirit de Marseille en juillet. And then we're going to be um, getting ready for our JMF tour with Virgil. So that's the one. Yeah, the one that I was telling everyone yeah. about. A nice busy summer in the south of France. <laughs> anyone, si vous êtes par large, on va y être en juin pour mon anniversaire le 16 juillet. 
So when do you find time to uh, guide people in kayaks on the Bayou St. John in New Orleans? Well, one thing that's really nice about the Bayou is I live there and time just kind of stops when you're there. So even if I have a lot of stuff to do and, and my computer um, tells me this is reality and this is my job, it's very easy to get distracted by the light on the water or a bald eagle or a family reality. of ducks or whatever. And just um, it's a lot of pickup work, too. It's just like singing jazz or teaching yoga. It's always like the rain. It comes when you need it, luckily. Do you sing when you're touring people on kayaks on I the bayou? I haven't yet. Um, that sounds kind of I usually just tell them about, like, um, the bridges or the houses or the ducks or the egrets or something. How yeah. far does the tour go? I mean, it's kayakityyak.com, just to plug Sarah <laughs> Howard and Sonny's business, by the way. Thanks for the job, guys. Um, they, they do a booze cruise, which is two hours, kind of floating around for fun. But if you're more athletic, you might want to do the long... The long trip, which takes you through the neighborhood on Bayou St. John by Moss, by Cabrini, and up to the Can Company. Then you'll go all the way out to the lake. So you'll go the other way and go all the way down Wisner, the Greek Orthodox Church, all the way out to the lake. And you'll get the full history on the region, on trade, on everything that ever went down on Bayou St. John, secret deals with pirates during the Civil War and all that good stuff. What's the most outrageous thing that's happened live on the bayou as you were in a kayak? Well, I guess one guy, um, I wasn't there, but um, there was an alligator scare under one of the bridges. And a girl um, who was very, very afraid of swimming and very afraid of kayaks on her first tour, unfortunately it rained really hard and they went under Uh. one of the bridges. And there are no alligators in Bayou St. John that we know of right now, so it's very uncommon but Sarah Howard told me that there was a family of alligators under that very same bridge taking shelter where they took shelter. And one of them stuck their head out of the water, and this oh. girl just um, flipped her lid. She flipped her kayak. No, I was going to say, flip your, flip your kayak? <laughs> she didn't flip her kayak, <laughs> but she crazy. was screaming. And I, um, I'm kind of glad I wasn't there. I would not want an appointment with a family of alligators under the Desay Bridge on Bayou St. John. You too would feel. I mean, would you I probably would have been pretty freaked out. Well, that? you know, you read the energy of the animal. If they're like aggressive, you know it right away. These guys were pretty peaceful, but um, out, of, out of the rain, food chain, you know. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a song about the food chain or any other? Song sure, I do. <laughs> <laughs> this is bad. about that appointment, that dreaded appointment, and it might not be so bad. It's about um, the archetype of Lady Death who comes to tell you it's time to go. And I wrote this after my friend Alma Malakar passed away. So this is for Alma and her family. I was staring at the clock She came so soon I let her inside And in her eyes 
so soon Death came walking in my room There's nothing I can do Death came walking in my room And it keeps me up all night Cause I know she's right And we sit and talk for hours About the radiance of flowers She's tapping on her teacup with a spoon. Death came walking in my room. There's nothing I can do. She says she's here for good. Death came walking in my room. Keeps me up all night Cause I know that she's right I know death Is here for is lucky. Ooh. I knew uh, Alma. Yeah. Way, way, way back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You two found a connection immediately when you walked in the door. Yeah. So New yeah. Orleans. Mm-hmm. Probably common friends from way, 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 way back. Malin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Malin. Hey, Malin. <laughs> Hi, Malin. <laughs> Rock. I feel bad. I haven't seen her yet since I've been back. Dory, you need to meet Malin. Malin. I don't know Malin. We're probably related. I mean, I know <laughs> from the Delta's family. He looks just like my brother, by the way. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, he does. We'll do some photos after. He wears camo too. Awesome, I like that song. It reminds me of a, a Misfits song. Cool. Uh, sweet, lovely death. I am waiting, waiting for, for your breath. breath. That's it. Come, sweet death. Who's that? Misfits. Misfits. Yeah, Last caress. Written by Glenn Danzig. It's a love song to death, basically. Yeah. To this a beautiful woman, death. You know. Yeah, tea time, death. It's awesome. Dorian, are you an artist as well? Yeah, I draw. Lately, I've been working in film and video. Uh, I've written songs, played guitar, saxophone. I played saxophone in high school and college in the marching band and the jazz band. And uh, I play guitar. I do mostly rock, punk rock, hard rock stuff. I try and learn a little bit of jazz, but my fingers suck. I can't do it. But uh, yeah, and, uh, that's about it. I've been sticking to writing and video these days. Do you uh, miss playing the saxophone? Do you get the urge when you're around New Orleans? Uh... I miss getting all the love and attention <laughs> I used to get when I played the saxophone. Cause, uh, Good answer. When you're, okay, I was never the best technically as far as you're sitting in a line, you know what I mean, in any kind of band, and you're, they're like judging you every day. 
okay, okay, well, this is where you sit. You have to sit here because this guy can do this better than you. But when it came to jazz band, even though some guys could do stuff better, to me, better than me, every now and then you had to sit up and you had to improvise a solo. Yeah. But I was the best at that because I, I had no fear. I could just stand up and do stuff. And even if I did something wrong, I just rolled right on through it and I would laugh at my own self and the crowd would laugh with me, you know what I mean? And I would just like, in music, like, you know, you're saying you could be comedic in your own performance. And if you can sell your own self and you could sell your own flaws to the audience, they'll love that and they'll eat it up and they'll want more. So like, I could do that and I'd be like, yeah, I'm awesome. And people would laugh and clap and shit. And I'd be like, yeah. But then, you know, so that's it. That's what I miss about playing the saxophone, standing up and taking rides. And being the man for like five seconds, you know. Should pick it up and go out. What, what's that? What's a, there's a saying about um, when it comes to a performance that like people pay to see other people believe in themselves. That's it exactly, and that's, that's, that's how that's, it is. And like uh, in the movie industry, man, it hurts so much. My pride and my ego becoming like getting in the movie industry. You know what I mean? Especially background or stand-in, because my whole life, like for art and drawing, I always won like awards for for drawing, you know what I mean? I won my first, like, I won my first trophy ever when I was, like, two years old and, like, a baby beauty pageant or something my mom stuck me in or whatever. <laughs> and in kindergarten, I won, like, first, uh, second place in an art contest and, like, every art contest I've ever entered in high school and grade school, I would win something and English fairs. I won all the English fairs and all this stuff. But then I get into this industry and everybody's constantly telling me, you suck, you're dumb, you're stupid. You know, it's like Who's telling you that? The people, man. They're intimidated by my strength. I walk on set <laughs> and I take over an environment. I'm just awesome. And people are like, no, blah, blah, blah. And it's like being hit over the head with a stick. But it's like, you no. have oh, two yeah, sides. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was, it's like I usually get used to taking bat in the teeth every day. Yeah, it's you know like, what I mean? You, that happens because there's so much ego out there. You know what I mean? It's just like, and it's like <clears> all right. That's why I just do my own thing now. You know Ninja. Ninja. You have two sides. <laughs> that's part that's of being a shaman you have to develop a double you know what i mean you, you that's double. why there's an aka yeah bad ninja nine king of all shaman ninjas so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just mind blown we needed a picture of that face <laughs> we did we did um so you get hit, hit in the teeth as a driver on the well i do just any type of um well, especially when you work on crews on movies, I mean, and if you're not in a certain position, you're just taking orders. It's like any other job, and and if you're a person who, uh, like like Dorian's saying, like um, you have that side that's used to being up front and and getting all the attention, you have to have a duality of the side that just you know you need to make a living and just be told what to do. So I have that. I'm just, you know, you eat it for a while and hopefully something comes of it good. But it's like with any job, like, you know, I do it and I don't like it, but you got to do it. So I do like working on the movies, though, just because it's it's one of those things where it, it, it could be just as laborious as another job. But then it sounds so much better when you tell somebody <laughs> what you're doing. The glamour. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like and there's nothing the really great about it, but it just call. sounds good. So right. At, at, at a certain point, I realized when it because I've worked lots of different jobs. I worked for the uh, LA Business Journal for two years. I worked um, at production companies in Chicago. I worked for uh, jewelry websites and and whatnot. I learned that the best jobs were the ones that sounded good when you told girls what you did. <laughs> <laughs> this is a reoccurring theme in this conversation. Mm. Well. <laughs> so, yeah. 
I'll, I'll, I'll take it, whatever. Are you a visual artist as well? Uh, you know, how do you mean, like drawing? Yeah. And what? Uh, yeah, I designed all the artwork for for the albums, and I designed uh, every band I've ever been in, logos and, and the cover art and, and whatnot. And I used to be a comic book, book artist when I was in high school. I did the comic for my high school every year. But there's something I, this is part from our earlier discussion of how I came here to New Orleans in general. Um, I was ex- I got into uh, the University of Arts in Philadelphia for their animation program, which is like this big test. You had to go through all these series of tests to, to for art- artistic whatever to get into it, and they accepted me. But then they said, "Oh, you have to take these drawing courses over the summer." I'm like, "I'm not taking school after I graduate high school over the summer." And then at the same time, I got accepted in Loyola, <laughs> so I was like, "I guess I'll go to New Orleans." <laughs> Seventeen, eighteen is an awfully inconvenient time to make decisions <laughs> yeah i know that's how that one <laughs> went <laughs> sarah are you a visual artist as well i do i paint and i draw and i, I had a um, feeling yeah it's fun yeah it's just another way of of working it of yeah it's pretty it's fun yeah <laughs> have you done any of the artwork for your own music i've done other friends albums like local music like white collar crimes and i've done um i definitely have my own mythology with different characters and different like my universe is definitely linked to my writing and my drawing and my my personal creative uh, spirit coming out and whatever. I love to cook too. And I, I also um, find a lot of pleasure in writing yoga classes and sequencing. And it's really cool. You kind of just draw in on your own um, energies and your own resources to put that uh, creativity into whatever you do. And as a as a woman... I feel like we are really connected to that, um, just how anything could become an expression of creativity, whether it's organizing a day or doing four things at once or writing a, a class. Um, giving. Yeah, it's, it's become, it's, I mean, the canvas and the, the drawing pad are definitely things that I, that I touch, but it's also just spread out to be my whole life, and, and appreciating other people's work has also just been a, just a great blessing just being able to see um, so much cool stuff happening in New Orleans and around and nature and it's really all very beautiful art all the time we're in the Collins Hotel and there's this wallpaper that's kind of like the Van Gogh yellow and blue with these um, cherubs up at the border just thousands of little naked babies with wings so yeah, I you, say, you saying that out loud makes it seem a lot weirder. Those naked it. babies <laughs> with wings <laughs> dancing all around. I us didn't really, right I now. didn't really think about that. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty cool hotel. Some creepy art. <laughs> Props for the shout out to White Collar Crimes. Yeah, yeah. White Collar Crimes is awesome. Hi, White Collar Crimes. Yeah, it's a rap group. I did their um, CD cover. Very nice. Uh, where do you teach yoga? I teach at Swan River Yoga, www.swanriveryoga.com. Yeah, and I teach voice there on Tuesday nights, 8 to 9, except for when I'm in France. And I'm I'm a big fan of um, yoga and all the music and healing arts that are in New Orleans right now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You teach voice? Voice yoga. What's voice Voice yoga? yoga. It's basically asanas or postures for your... um, for releasing sound. So it's geared towards opening up the energetic spaces so that you, your body can release sound and then sculpting them. But I take yoga philosophy and the template of a yoga class 
to teach different techniques from classical to Roy Hart, a little bit of like my own personal. So you're crafting um, these classes. Yeah, they're Sarah Q classes. That yeah. kind of relates to what I was talking to you before about the tuning of the guitar. Yeah, like exactly. Tuning it down to 432 instead of 440 because it actually is like, now that I know you're in yoga, I could elaborate more. It's actually in line more to your chakra system, actually, 432. Ah. It stimulates especially your heart chakra. Like, people don't know this, but 440 as a standard tuning wasn't called standard until like the early 1920s or 30s. And it was actually the Nazis who freaking no. were the biggest proponents of that, of 440, because... Uh, uh, Joseph Goebbels, Goebbels, I can't say his name, he was a Nazi propagandist, you know what I mean? At the wow. time, when, they, when the world gave him the job, that was when Hitler and all his boys like, were getting like, all this praise from the world, like, oh my God, they're doing so many great things, they're making Germany awesome again. So they started to push 440 as the tuning system, mainly because for scientific reasons, because 440 is easy, the most easily thing that can be uh, reproduced electronically. And at the time... They were moving into like the phones, your dial tones and all that. They were moving to that kind of system for all their informational systems. So 440 was actually, was actually in line with their electronics. You know what I'm saying? They could reproduce it more easily and they could also hide electronic code, subsonic code within, within the broadcast frequency. You know what I mean? So I, if you I'd had like to add that I'm a half step down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, there you go. But still, yeah. if you're A, it all I'd depends like on your A. I'm freaked out. You're A <laughs> but A, I'd like that. I don't want to end the show on but, a Nazi note. But no, but what I'm saying is, you could like all you have to do is retune your guitar. You don't have to let them take over your mind. I mean, you have control of your instrument. Standards boring anyway. Ooh, I exactly. like that metaphor a lot. I'd like it. You a have lot. it's yours. You, do you have know what control. I mean? You could fix it to it to where you could tune it to whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? Some people would think 444 is a little bit better. You know, some people. Think 432. I went with 432 because of the math involved, the numbers, and the yoga. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm real big into the yoga. Like I said before, I study the Bagua, tai, huh? tai Chi. That's all Chinese yoga. It's an elaboration of the same, your same energetic system and how to tune it, how to get it working right. And music, like he was asking about how that works. Like everything in nature, everything in the universe has a frequency and a vibration, and you can reproduce that with your instrument, with your own voice. So by being able to reproduce that within your own self, by using your voice, you can activate your own self with your own mind. You know what I'm saying? So you could heal yourself through your own intentions, using your own voice, the sound, you know, the frequency of it. So it's all amazing. You know what I mean? It's just the way it works. It's, you know. Sarah's nodding. Knowledge She's is picked power. up her guitar. <laughs> That's it. You know. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. I think we're gonna wrap Thank it you. up. I um, am your host for today and your producer, Melinda Haas. We also have associate producers Grant Morris and Chris Kehoe. Our music director, who found Sarah for us, is Christian Unruh. Our web designer and a link to the real world is Cliff Brigden. Our theme is written and played by Mitch Foreman. We missed you today, Mitch. 
If you'd like to be on the show, please holla. It's neworleans at gmail.com. We always record live at the Columns Hotel. You can check out our other happy hours and other shows, Out to Lunch with Peter Ricciuti, Life at Command- Live at Commander's Palace, Mindset with Psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajic, and True to the Game with Chris True and Tammy Nelson. Keep up with us by liking It's New Orleans on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Mitch Foreman on piano, I'm Mindy Haas. Next time on Happy Hour, we'll miss you. Thank you.